Hi, welcome to History 126. My name is Peyton Oswald, and in this episode, we will be discussing slavery and American development. America's economy is a complex thing that has been developing for many, many years. Even in the days of colonial consecration, money was the major influence in decision-making. Perhaps the decision that had the most impact on the development of the American economy was the slave monopoly that occurred in America as early as the 1500s. Slavery has been attributed to the major success of the colonies, both agriculturally and economically. Despite this, it is sad to think that the establishment of a nation is rooted in the mass suffrage of African people. The use of these people as property for enhancing economic success was cruel, but not necessarily avoidable. The use of slaves was simply a shortcut used by the colonists to make the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Despite the fact that history was cruel and unjust, it was unavoidable. In order to develop our nation, we needed the slaves' mass production skills. The issue of enslaving African Americans began long before the arrival of Africans on American soil. In fact, this trend began with Africa itself. At this time, the divisions of Africa commonly became drawn into conflict with their sister kingdoms. The prisoners of war occupied by the opposing sides were often kept as slaves and forced into unpaid labor under the dictation of African rulers. Prisoners were commonly ransomed back to their home countries, enlisted into the armies of their captors, or sold as slaves to other owners. As the use of unpaid and forced labor was so popular in Africa, the country attributes most of its success to the dictation and forceful labor of the African people. When Europeans arrived in Africa and began to show interest in the slave trade, the game changed significantly. Mortality rates as well as levels of cruelty spiked. The transatlantic slave trade introduced by Europeans changed the history and played a surreal role in the African diaspora. One of the first groups, other than the Africans, to become involved in the slave trade were the Portuguese. The Portuguese sailed to the coast of West Africa and developed what was known as Elmina, or the mine, a fort on the coast of modern Ghana in 1471. This fort led to the development of a colony on the African island of Seotome 20 years later, in 1490. The colony specialized in capturing slaves from Benin and exchanging them for other resources along the coast. Another major influence the Portuguese had was on the plantation-style slavery they used. The Portuguese developed sugar plantation on the island of Seotomi as well. Unpaid Nigerian slaves were the primary workers on these plantations. It was this structure of slavery that influenced similar styled work conditions for Brazil, the West Indies, and eventually the New World. In order to keep the supply of slaves stable, the Portuguese learned how to pit African rulers against each other. This sparked wars, which led the soldiers being kept as war prisoners, and therefore there were more slaves. 
the Portuguese managed to monopolize the world of slave trade for more than a century. With Portugal having undeniable successful establishments such as Brazil and the West Indies, all attributed to the use of slaves, Britain also decided to copy the method. In 1562, John Hawkins kicked off English involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. Hawkins sailed to West Africa and collected roughly 300 black individuals in purpose of delivering them to the West Indies. This single trip collected a massive amount of money and fueled the fire. The world of slavery had a new leader, Britain. Throughout his career, Hawkins transported and successfully delivered 1,200 African people to the new land. This number is small compared to the estimated triple that that perished on the journey, as well as the many, many more African people that would be brought onto foreign soil to work their lives away. As Britain held the reins for operations of the slave industry by 1600s, some major shifts began to happen. And this is where money re-enters the discussion. Merchants, investors, and other upper-class members of the European community gained significantly high profits through the slave industry. What would become known as the triangular or three-stage trade became a money-making route. Cloth, metal, and other goods were brought to Africa in exchange for slaves. Slaves were then exchanged for tobacco and other, other agricultural products in America. From America, the ships returned to Britain for more manufactured goods, and the trifecta continued to repeat. This three-stage process allowed for slavery to be swiftly and easily spread throughout the colonies. The transatlantic slave trade brought over nearly half a million slaves to the American coast and majorly contributed to the African dysphoria. Going back to the triangular trade, the journey from West Africa to the colonies was without a doubt horrendous. Slaves were taken from large dungeons or chambers on the African coast and loaded onto ships like lifeless cattle. These ships were designed for the purpose of simply fitting as many people possible. Comfort, space, human needs were not taken into consideration. Slaves were restrained with manacles and changed for an average of 11 weeks. Ships were often tightly packed with shelf-like structures on which slaves were forced to lie horizontally. Restroom use was not permitted. Cargo members were forced to lie on their own as well as others' filth, which caused disease and illness to spread rapidly. The bodies of the dead were not always removed in a timely fashion and sometimes remained chained to the other slaves for multiple hours. The Africans' digestive systems rarely processed the Europeans' food correctly, which just added to the illness and the feces. When or if food was provided, it was misery. Rape, suicide, torture, all common conceptions on the journey. 
When slaves were permitted on the deck to dance, an obligation to keep their muscle tone, many jumped overboard in attempts to die. And the slaves who somehow managed to survive the voyage, the slaves who persisted, were just auctioned off upon their arrival. Slaves who appeared healthy, as healthy as one could possibly be under the conditions, were sold at higher prices. Oftentimes, tar was painfully rubbed into disciplinary wounds in order to hide the signs of needed repercussion. If slaves were not auctioned off, they were put into what was called a scramble. In this method, slaves were kept in an enclosure and fixed sum was charged to the buyers. After enough men had paid, the cage door was thrown in. White men trampled inside the quarters and grabbed up the slaves they wanted to. Both selling methods were horrifying for slaves and added to the trauma of the slavery experience. In total, about 10,000 slaves were sold into slavery, a small number compared to the deaths. Slaves that had been sold and arrived at their master's land had many different experiences. Most of the black workers, if you can call them workers as they were not paid, served as farmhands but house servants were not unheard of. For most, the average workday was from sunup to sundown. This process was often six days a week. There was intensive labor and the food quality was very poor, oftentimes not even fit for animals. Punishments were very harsh. Families were separated roughly four to five times within a slave's time in servitude. Slavery was most densely issued in the southern colonies, as larger plantations required a larger amount of workers. Plantation life was especially brutal in the early 19th century, with the development of the slave codes. These codes cracked down on the African freedoms. It prevented them from stating their cases in courts, defending themselves against white individuals. Slaves could also not own property at all, or even enter contracts. The slave code was governed by slave patrols or slave drivers. Commonly, forms of punishments for breaking these codes included whipping, branding, mutinizing, and in extreme cases, death. Another injustice served against slaves, and not a surprising one, was that of rape. Most African women in slavery were raped and molested by white men, commonly their slave owners. Although imported slaves comprised of majority men, the women contributed to the gene pools at a higher rate. As a result of the higher amount of non-consensual sex and abundance of people, have Nigerian ancestry today. Looking past slaves and into the impact that they had is where the real argument lies. Slavery, with its high economic impact, made the capitalism of a developing nation possible. This is harsh to admit, but has too many truths to overlook. A prime point that we must acknowledge is that even if the slaves were not slaves in America, 
they would have most likely faced similar repercussions and conditions in their own country, as their own ancestors had began the enslavement of African people long before the Europeans became involved. Slavery, although wrong in every way, was the primary reason for large profit margins in the colonies, specifically the cotton industry. As slaves were brought and moved into the southern colonies, they were provided a specific task that would impact the American economy for generations. Slaves were asked to work quickly and work diligently, all without pay. As the world progressed, slaves became a valuable asset as they were responsible for harvesting one of the most sought-after commodities. The profit America made from plantations sustained by slave workers set us forward. It placed us as one of the world leaders in economic functioning. Merchants, traders, other many men of the cotton era benefited secondhand from the slaves. One can say that slaves were the true success attributing to America's economy. Edward E. Baptist, a famous academic, points out, end quote, and yet that period is when you see the U.S. go from being a colonial primarily agricultural economy to being the second biggest industrial power in the world and well on its way to becoming the largest industrial power in the world. What Baptist was trying to say is that the mass production that slavery allowed shifted the nation from being simple and farm-oriented to being diverse and making giant amounts of money. Nobody wants to admit it, but rich white men developed the economy we know today. These men would have not been nearly as rich if it weren't for the forced unpaid labor. Slaves in the cotton industry created more millionaires per capita along the Mississippi River than anywhere else in the nation. Slavery allowed the national economy to grow faster, become stronger, and more dominant than anywhere else in the world. Without slaves having been implemented into the American history, there is a question as to whether or not we would have gone forward to gain more land, to create more substantial governments, or even to have made it past the years of colonization. There, of course, is the argument of alternative methods in, op in opposition to slavery. But the problem with that is what if these substitutions did not work? What if the people of early America did not know how to institute these different practices? But this just plays into the idea of the what ifs as there's really no concrete answer when questioning if something in the past would have been different. Many opposing arguments to the fact that America could not have been established without slavery at its base 
argue that there could have been other methods, there could have been other ideologies that we could have built our society upon. But the problem with that is that they're all built on what-if statements, and none of that will ever be concrete. The fact of the matter is that America was a society built on the use of slavery. The major fact that supports the idea that America could not have been built without the implementing of slavery into our economic and social ideologies was money. Slavery produced so much money within the colonies that possibly could not have been produced if there were not that unpaid labor factor. Without this money, it's hard to say whether America would have had the use to buy the things they need, occupy more land, and this adds to the question of growing our nation. So without the use of slavery, could America have grown its nation? And the answer is most likely no, just because the money obtained from slavery would go forward to play greatly into the ideas of westward expansion. Ultimately, slavery was tragic. And it's a part of the American history that is dark and a part of history that no American is necessarily proud of. The suffrage and the tragedy that accompanied it cannot be overlooked and is an unforgivable justice. But instead of viewing this bleak time in the past, we should instead be looking back and seeing the charisma and the strength and the impact that these African Americans had on the colony and the development of our nation that can be attributed to their work. Without these people, the economy would have never grown into the capitalist nation we are today. Slavery and all its horrors made money. And whether humans like to admit it or not, money, while being the root of all evil, is also the source of power and success. And that is why, without slavery, America could have not been established into the nation it is today.